Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a sunny day in a rather quiet city of Westminster, it must be said, as once again, we put the topic of leadership under the microscope. I'm Scott Chaloner and I'm joined on the air today by Tom Wimbo. Tom is the Managing Director of Ralph Creative Agency, a BAFTA-winning and multi-Emmy-nominated digital creative and production agency in London. Tom, welcome to the programme, and it's great to have you on the air with us today. Cheers, Scott. Nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure having you on with us. Now, um, the purpose of this podcast is to gather a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership, and leadership is something that's really being put to the test at the moment, it's fair to say, isn't it, with the whole COVID-19 situation and business leaders having to navigate their firms through that. Uh, Tell me, for somebody in your line of work, how has it been trying to navigate the last few weeks and adapt to this? Because I can imagine, considering the nature of what you do, it's actually quite up your street homeworking. Yeah, it's um, it's been a challenge, to, to, to be perfectly frank, but I suppose that's a challenge that's uh, affecting all manner of different industries. So for us particularly, it's, production has been hit pretty hard with with film shoots um, and indeed live events. Um, but what's been one of the main challenges, I suppose, is, is creative, which is something that we pride ourselves on. And getting used to running creative workshops and brainstorms remotely is a, a totally different experience than mm. trying to do it with some friends and colleagues that you work with every day and can kind of bounce off each other. It's a slightly different situation trying to do that remotely via video call, even though the technology has got an awful lot better. But um, yeah, overall, uh, luckily the, the team have been very flexible, very reactive and have adapted really well to it. And I think because everyone's in the same situation, it, it certainly helps um, an awful lot, really. Certainly. And there are going to be numerous sectors that are going to have to adapt going forwards, aren't there? Because this whole period um, has given us some sort of um, a time to reflect, I suppose. And especially in the event sector, it's predicted that there may now be much more of a renewed focus on sustainability going forward and sort of remote um, events uh, may well be um, a big part of the future in that sense. So things are really going to change them after this summer, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they really are. And a lot of what we do is related to social media and, and digital as well, but it's, it's been really interesting to see how all, all manner of different companies, businesses, publishers have reacted to being more digital, um, e- e- even through to gyms and, and businesses like that, conducting more virtual classes and streams. I think um, it's been great to see the way some people have, have adapt, adapted, but it's um, yeah certainly not still not quite the same as being able to go to an event and seeing people in, in the flesh, but that's the way it's going at the minute. Absolutely. And I think um, in many ways, we've taken that for granted, haven't we? That sort of social human contact and maintaining morale amongst other things is one of the big challenges for business leaders at the moment, because sort of conveying certain messages um, over social media, over Zoom, for example, that it's, it's very different to just being there in the same room with people, isn't it? As you say, even brainstorming ideas has been affected. Yeah, it's just the, the, the spirit of, of your, your team really I suppose and you know if, if that team isn't together physically how can you still create that sense of teamwork um, remotely has, has been the challenge and, and we're trying to do quite a lot to, to keep the team together to keep people engaged and motivated and, and part of 
part of the business and, and keeping them creative. So we, we set all sorts of weekly challenges, which we've rewarded people with takeaway vouchers and things like that. And also kind of to match all those um, donations with, with charitable donations as well. So it's fulfilled a couple of different um, purposes, really, getting people back motivated, engaged with the team, but also um, allowing us to, to, to donate where we can because unlike a, a lot of businesses we, we've been fortunate enough to carry on going without too much impact aside from the remote working um, mm. financially it's, it's been challenging but but we've been able to overcome it um, hopefully um, but we'll see how the, the next few months pan out as well Yes, absolutely. I mean, it is an uncertain time um, as far as that's concerned. Um, you talk an awful lot there about the importance of uh, culture and keeping individuals motivated and keeping morale at a high. Um, so when you are looking as a leader for uh, members to join your team on the recruitment side of things, um, are you essentially looking for people who really buy into that culture and that close-knit feel? I think it, I think it really helps. Um, we are quite we keep our teams relatively small and, and tight-knit, I suppose, even throughout the different offices and in the other countries and markets that we operate. Um, but, it, it, but it's really important that people buy into the way that we work. Um, we try not to have too many big egos, really. It's really important for everyone to be able to roll up their sleeves and get on with stuff because I think you just need to be flexible and reactive and that's really helps us get through um, where we're at currently because people have been able to just adapt to it quickly, um, be able to carry on their job and, and, and not have that ego that, that kind of comes with it and haven't, who haven't been able to adapt to that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important for us that everyone gets stuck in, is very collaborative in the way that they work because if, if we weren't, then we wouldn't half the work um, that we do to be honest mm. and you talk about of course overinflated ego there and how that is a negative thing um, do you think that we see examples of that a little bit too much within leadership within this country um, I, th- I think we can do and I, I, I guess that can be spread by um, various TV programs which promote a very selfish way of feeling but I don't think that way of working really trans- translates too well to what we do is what an awful lot of people do in the real world. I think it's more often being um, as friendly as you possibly can be. Um, you know, I try and just remain enthusiastic and positive about um, everything that, that we do uh, and, and try and lead by example as much as anything. I, I don't expect people to do things that I wouldn't do, for example. So I think that's really important and to avoid any sense of hypocrisy with what I'm saying. I think. It helps if people trust you and that they see that you're doing exactly the same kind of thing. We're all working uh, in the same direction. Yeah, I think humility as a leader is really important in that respect, as you say, just showing that you're willing to be on level with employees and muck in and essentially do tasks that you'd expect them to do. But it's quite um, interesting that you mention um, essentially the, um, this this ego issue because I think you're right in the sense that maybe when we think of leadership in this country we're tempted to think of celebrity and we're tempted to think of sports personalities maybe politicians to an extent as well and essentially it's associated with just being in the public eye and in many ways good leadership within the business world especially can often 
go under the radar as a result of that because there is such a focus on that side of things. Um, do you think really that good leadership within business, Tom, is as recognised as it should be in this country as a result of that? Um, possibly not, to be honest. You know, it's not um, something that we as a business would get recognised for. You know, we, we get recognised, we're measured on the quality of our, our work, of our output, of our creativity, essentially. Uh, and that comes from the team, um, but they have to be able to express themselves, to have that freedom in order to do that, um, which means often I take more of a backseat on that side of things because I think that helps to elevate the people who are really working hard and get them the spotlight and them the focus. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, perhaps, perhaps it doesn't get recognised as much in, um, in business, but Maybe in some ways that's not such a bad thing for for leaders to be um, recognised in that way. It is about the team as well. It is about the output. Um, and, and that's how I like to be judged, to be honest. And certainly taking a backseat, as you say, there can be important and just allowing people to take on their own sort of form of leadership and be that little bit of independent, I suppose, because allowing people to sort of stretch themselves, go beyond their comfort zone sometimes and push the boundaries a bit, that can be really important for their development, can't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's certainly not for everyone. Lots of people like to be told exactly what to do, when to do it. Um, that's certainly for a lot of people who have aspirations. Um, it, it's really important to give them the, the, the freedom to, to allow them to, to achieve that, really. To give them the right guidance, to give them the motivation, but ultimately give them the platform in, in order to achieve what, what they want to, which is, is really important. And of course, you've got a lot of experience in the business world, Tom, not just, of course, with Ralph, but you've worked with other names such as Titan Outdoor and JC Deco in your career. And with all of that experience um, that you have accumulated in the business world, what advice would you give to younger generations of aspiring leaders who may be looking to embark on leadership roles of their own? Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's listening, really, um, listening to other people's opinions, watching how other people behave. I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in the small elements of work, whether it's the work you're doing with clients, um, the work you're doing with your colleagues, and for there to be a sense of negativity that can can creep into the kind of everyday. Um, Whereas it's really important in how you actually portray yourself and how you portray your work because under the surface within lots of companies things can be disorganised it can be frantic but it's always important to present quite a composed positive outlook on things and I think that translates to to the personal as much as it does to to the company as a whole I think and if we think about the future once again, before we do wrap things up on the programme today, Tom, um, do give me an idea of what you envision the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Ralph and also what you hope to achieve in that time as well, not just in navigating the current situation, but also your ambitions for beyond the pandemic too. Yeah, um, I mean, first and foremost, it will be great to be able to return back to the office to, to see friends and, and colleagues again. Um, uh, and, and get back to that sense of normality if that is going to be possible. But I think our, our hopes for the for the company are to we, we like the idea of having small, um, reactive, highly skilled 
uh, teams with a lot of experience and expertise that don't grow too big so there's too many layers of hierarchy of structure um, and take that into different markets and, and different countries. So as well as it might have been a, a total nightmare to open up uh, an office in Tokyo during this pandemic, we, mm. we, we, we have that anyway. Um, so it's, it's trying to do more things like that. We, we, we love to be creatively challenged as a, as a company and without that, it's not particularly interesting. So, you know, the, the hope for us is that we just maintain our, our level of creativity by finding new ways to express that both through the current work that we do, but also through our own internal projects. And, and that's what really gets us um, excited. It certainly sounds like um, there's a great deal of ambition despite all of the um, uncertainty, Tom. And um, I think in the next few months, once we start to see the uh, the fog lifting um, a bit and we start emerge from this uh, pandemic, we could perhaps even have you back on the air with us just to catch up on how the uh, business is doing and see just how the market around us is changing. But for now, I have to say it's been a thoroughly insightful and also really enjoyable experience having you on today's programme. And thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on and speak with me today for the listeners' benefit. It's been wonderful, Tom. Thank you ever so much again. That was Tom Wimbo, the Managing Director of Ralph Creative. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. Um, A former professional striker, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals in his career for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup following his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff, and that's coming up next. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, there were one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach. 
or teach me to like it, the football. And uh, the, the quote I always mention when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there... It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And, of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital. For a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful, and it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run, or conversely, not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. 
he was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in your organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, You've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it. You, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in? Uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm-hmm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Um, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out now. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were 
a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, 
people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke. And, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, uh, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe... Uh, it has a uh, helpful effect, uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at. Um, uh, Football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is. Is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back 
through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody... And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. It, we have some great players, of course. But without the attitude uh, alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mind and this dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my me- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. 
This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.